B'Shem Hashem Na'asev Asliyah. Welcome everyone to our weekly Zera Shimshon Shi'ur on the parasha. We are going to be Bezrat Hashem doing Parashat Vayarhel, Ma'amar Hey, the fifth Ma'amar of the Zera Shimshon. This Shi'ur is dedicated Le'ilu Nishmat Yishak Ben Matatiyahu and Immanuel um, Ben Munavar and Rufael Ben Munavar. Uh, may the Zechut of the Zera Shimshon be a Melitz Yosher for all of those that um, need to find their zivugim, all those that need children, and all those that do have children, may they see nachas from all of their children. Amen ve'amen. Okay, so this parasha, parashat Vayaghel, is when Moshe Rabbeinu gathers the Bnei Israel and asks them to bring whatever they want for the building of the Mishkan, and everybody brings different things for the building of the Mishkan. Now, an episode takes place, uh, something happens where we see in the parasha something's a little off. Everybody, all the Jews bring different things. Thread, gold, silver, uh, uh, whatever was needed. The Nesi'im also bring something. In fact, they bring the most precious things, which were the stones. The Abne Shoham and Abne Miluim, these were the stones that were used for the blessed plate of the Kohen Gadol and so on and so forth. However, there's a lot of discussion as to how they brought these stones and the timing of bringing these stones. This is what the Zerah Shimshon will concentrate on today. So it says, <clears throat> in Pasuk Lamed uh, uh, Shemot, chapter Lamed He, chapter 35, Pasuk Chaf Zayin, 20, <coughs> Pasuk Chaf Zayin, 27, it says, the Basuk says, And the Nesi'im also brought. The Nesi'im brought. What did they bring? They brought the stones. We know that the Nesi'im, the heads of the tribes, brought stones for, for the building of the Mishkan. Right? Now, there's a famous Rashi here. The word Nesi'im is written without a Yud. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen this Rashi? Anyone? There's a famous Rashi that discusses this. The word Nesi'im is usually written um, Nun, Sin, Aleph, Yud, Mim. Right? Nesi'im. There's a Yud right after the Aleph and then a Mem Sofi. However, in this parasha, it's not, it's missing. The Yud is missing. Rashi catches it right away and tells us something interesting. It says, you know why the Yud is missing from the word Nesi'im here? Now, before we even go into this, Please note who we are talking about. The Nesim were the heads of the tribes of Bnei Israel. They were no normal people. These were not ordinary people. You'd be like, you know, oh, they were chosen. These are not like mayors and governors that were voted for, and then in the next round they will be voted out or whatever. The Nesim were truly holy people. So when Rashi comes out and says what he says, it is, it is truly, truly calculated. It is not to belittle the Nesim Chas Shalom. As we'll see, that's what the Zerah Shimshon is going to come, out, come say, why Rashi had to come and say what he said. So, with that intro, or where's, where's Paymon? Ramin, sorry. Okay. Bring two tests next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rashi says, Amar Rabbi Natan, he brings from the, um, um, this is, uh, one second, 
I'm going to find the source for you. Here. Amar Rabbi Natan. When it came to the Chanukat HaMizbeach, inauguration, inauguration of the Mizbeach, of the, of the Mizbeach. What? No, the Mizbeach. I just forgot how to say Mizbeach in English. <laughs> Y'all know what a Mizbeach is who don't know what a Mizbeach is. Right? The altar. In the inauguration of the... This is what happens to me when I'm tired. Right, this is, I'm just, Shabbatons do that to you. What made the Nesi'im be the first ones to come and be mitnadev, to bring their nedavot of sacrifices for the inauguration of the Mizbeach, of the altar, first? This is later on. When they inaugurated the whole thing and they wanted to bring korbanot, the Nesi'im were the first ones. Why were they the first ones? But when it came to the Melechet HaMishkan, the building of the Mishkan, the Nesim were not first. They were first by the Mizbeach, but not by, by the Mishkan. Why? This is what the Nesim said to themselves. Let us have the public bring for the Mishkan whatever they can bring. Right? Whatever is missing, we will fill the gap. So Nesi'im were the greats. Obviously, as the heads of the tribes, they were wealthier than others. And they were capable of bringing things that other people were incapable of doing so. So they said, you know what? Why should we rush and bring the Nadavot right away for the Mishkan? Let's wait for everybody else to bring what they can. Gold, silver, copper, thread, and, and whatever else might be needed. Whatever is left, We'll fill it in. I'm sure everyone's heard of these type of things in donations, in fundraisers. We always have these kind of people that say, you know what? You go ahead and collect what you need to collect. You need $100,000? Go collect however much you can in 10 hours. Whatever's left, we'll give the rest. Right? It's a nice gesture. Whatever's left. That means if, if in 10 hours, the guy needs to collect $100,000. In 10 hours, he only gets $10,000. This person is saying he's going to give them $90,000. The Nesim were saying, we'll fill it in. Whatever it is, we'll give. This was for the Mishkan. As soon as the Tzibur, the public, gave whatever was needed, as it says, as it says that the Melacha was done, Right? It was, it was complete. Amru Nesim. The Nesim said, Ma alenu la'asot. What should we do? Heviot avne hashoham. They brought the precious stones, the avne hashoham, which no one else had. Lekach, hitnadevut v'chanot ha-mizbeach techila. Because of this, when it came to the inauguration of the mizbeach, of the altar, they were first. Ulfi shenit atzelu mitchila, so therefore, you still don't hear the negative here. So he's trying to tell you. It says, because the first round, when they were supposed to bring for the Mishkan, they stalled and they didn't jump to the opportunity to bring something for the Mishkan. Second time around for the inauguration of the Mizbeach, they said, oops, last time we kind of didn't do it right. This time we'll do it right. We will be first. What was the issue here? And therefore, he says, because they stalled the first time and did not bring 
what they wanted to bring for the Mishkan right away, a Yud went missing from their name. Nesi'im was written without a, without a Yud. So let's recap for a second. Why was the word Nesi'im as Rashi brings from Rabbi Natan? Rashi says the reason the word Nesi'im was missing a Yud was because when the Jews were told to bring whatever they can for the Mishkan, the Nesi'im waited. And they said, you know what? We'll let everybody else bring what they can and we'll fill it in. That did not look good in Hashem's eyes. Because of that, a Yud went missing in their names. Claro so far? Yes? Okay. Because they stalled and they didn't bring for the Mishkan, a Yud was missing in their name. So Nesim is written without a Yud. Now, Zerashimshon asks, we have to pay attention here in the words of Rashi. The Tamamai, what is the reason? Why is this picked as their punishment, so to speak? Why the missing Yud in their name? How is that? And the way he puts it, he says, What is the measure for measure in punishing the Nisim this way? Why is the Yud missing? Why couldn't their punishment be something else? So therefore, he's basically saying, he's asking, how did Rabbi Natan know that this, this was the punishment for them stalling? It takes a lot for you to be able to say, you know why so-and-so got punished with so-and-so punishment? Because of X, Y, Z. How do you know? It takes a big person to know. What was the midah can I get midah here? What was the measure for measure here? Be'esh Levair says we can understand. Once again, he brings the words, Yadua. It is known. What did we say last time about whenever these chachamim say, it's known? Get ready for something you've never heard of before, right? Whenever people like this say, well, it's obvious, it is known, and then it just puts you in your seat like, I've, uh, who knows this stuff? Well, at least not us, not me. The Ari says, says, it is known what the Arizal brings. The Arizal says, in a sefer of Likutim, Yeshayahu, Siman Lamed Bet, in Yeshayahu um, 32, it says, when a person give, gives tzedakah, when a person gives money for any kind of charity to, an, to a person that's poor or organized, when a person gives money away for tzedakah, a person has to have kavana. You have to have the right intent. You have to have the right intention. You have to have a kivun alev. <clears throat> On the pasuk, your kavana should be on the pasuk. Vehaya maase hatzedaka shalom, and the and the maase of righteousness tzedaka righteous giving is shalom is peace. Why? Why does the Arizal say such a thing? When you're giving tzedaka, have kavana on this pasuk. Vehaya maase hatzedaka shalom is from Yeshayahu. Why? It says because <coughs> the word vehaya. Vehaya, and it was. The word Vehaya is the same otiot, same letters as Yud Kei Vav Kei. 
as Hashem's name. Right? So it says in this Pasuk, when he says, shalom, the act of righteous giving, and it was that the act of righteous giving was is peace. What it's really saying is by giving tzedakah, the name of God, which one of the names of God is Shalom. Shalom is actually one of Hashem's names. Is it becomes Shalem. Yudke Vavke becomes what? Complete. Through the giving of tzedakah. When you give tzedakah, the yud kei vav kei of Hashem becomes complete. Shalom. Right? And that, this is what the, the Arizal says. Therefore, when you want to give tzedakah, have kavanah on this pasuk, because you don't understand what you're really doing by giving tzedakah. But really what you're doing is, you're being mashlim God's name. You're, being, you're making God's name complete. It's a huge thing. This is no... You know, uh, ordinary task. It just goes to show how how important tzedakah is to give tzedakah. Sorry about that cutoff. We'll continue where we left off. <clears throat> so he says, "How is this so? How is it that tzedakah is mashlim God's name, completes God's name?" Because when a person gives tzedakah to a poor person. And here, what he means is, the ani, the receiver, the poor, that needs, needs the tzedakah, is compared to the smallest, smallest letter in the alphabet. The smallest letter in the alphabet is what? Yud, right? So the yud is, 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 is kind of always compared to a lowly thing, humility. It has the essence of humility. So it says, when a person gives money, Charity to an ani, the needy, who is who resembles humility, who resembles um, 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 a, 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 the small letter, who remez, which is a remez to yud in God's name in the yud k vav k. So the ani is the remez to the yud. which is small. And the hand stretched out hand of the person that's giving the tzedakah resembles the vav, the letter vav, when the person is giving, right? And the five fingers of the person that's giving resembles the hey, which is the numerical value of five. So the five fingers are the numerical value of the letter hey. And the five fingers of the ani that's taking the tzedakah resembles the second hey. So right there you have yud, ke, vav, ke. So a person that gives tzedakah is mashlim, completes HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. Therefore the Arizal says because of that, always have kavanah on the word, behaya ma'aseh tzedakah, shalom. Because when a person is giving tzedakah, even the act, the act of tzedakah is it completes Hashem's name. What does it mean, the act of tzedakah? So the Zohar is saying, the Zohar is saying, Arizal is saying, the act of tzedakah is when you stretch out your arm to give to the ani. The ani is the humble, resembles humility, that's the letter yud. You stretch out your arm to give, that's the letter vav. 
The Ani receives with his five fingers, that's hay, the letter hay. And you giving with your hand, with your five fingers, that's the second hay, yud kei vav kei. So when you give, you're really completing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. Wow, I'm blown away. But there's more. Right? And here, in the giving that was being done in the Ma'aseha Mishkan, in the building of the Mishkan, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes and tells all of Bnei Israel, come give for the building of the Mishkan, the Nesim lo The Nesim did not right away bring their tzedakah for Hashem. They were not the ones to come right away and give their tzedakah for the building of the Mishkan. And because of this, Naaseh, it was as if Chasve Shalom, the Ot Yud, was missing in God's name. Because the Nesim, the heads of the tribes, came late to give their tzedakah. And because of that, the letter Yud went missing in their name. And therefore, the word Nesim was written without a Yud in the Torah. Why? Because the Nesim did not come and give their tzedakah to the building of the Mishkan. Who was receiving, who was on the receiving end of the Mishkan, so to, so to speak, Kavyachol, Havdil? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Yud. He's in the receiving end. And because they were not right away enthusiastic to jump onto the, you know, caravan of giving for the Mishkan, their Yud went missing to resemble that you should have, you should have acted quicker. When Hashem was asking for you to give, you should have been that arm to stretch out your hand right away and be mashlim Hashem's name in the building of the Mishkan. Clear? This part was clear? Magnifico? Absolutely? Awesome. Great. So he says, All right. The odd. Furthermore, <coughs> there is another. There is another way we can explain. He says why the letter yud went missing in the word nesiim. Shamru bezohar, because it says in the Zohar Hakadosh, Tikuno Zohar, Hakdama number thirteen Aleph, Parashat Teruma Guf Memtet Aleph. The Mishkan really resembles this world and the Gamla Olam Haba and the next world. There's a lot of Mefarshim, by the way, that discuss the building of the Mishkan and the utensils and where everything goes in the Mishkan, right? Where the menorah goes, where the Shulchan goes, where the Mizbeach goes, all of these things weren't just arranged by a master interior designer. Right? It was all <laughs> it was all it was all done by a Kadosh Baruch who obviously I'm sure he is a master, you know, uh, interior and exterior designer, but it wasn't that kind of a mindset. It wasn't like, you know, the menorah will look perfect on the left. I will <laughs> it wasn't none of that was happening, right? Why did a Kadosh Baruch Hu ordain everything to be in that spot? So there are a lot of Mepharshim that discuss and really bring out the essence of the Mishkan, how it resembles Olam Haba and Olam Hazeh. The, the, the connection of the next world and this world. 
this mirror image of the next world. How everything in the next world is the same thing. What the menorah resembles in Olam Haba, what the Shulchan resembles in Olam Haba, and all sorts of things. There are Mepharshim that even discuss how it resembles the human body. Where the menorah goes, the Shulchan goes, what resembles the heart, what resembles the stomach. There's a lot of depth in it, right? So he's just bringing it on the surface, really. And he says, no, that the Zohar says that the Mishkan resembles Olam Haba and Olam Hazeh. This world and the next world. Vehem. Okay, now. Now, the Olam Haba and Olam Hazeh, we're going a little bit deep into Kabbalah over here. Don't say Rabbi Sakai never taught any Kabbalah. Okay? Alright. <laughs> so, now, the Gemara says in Menuch, uh, uh, the Gemara says, that Olam Hazed, this world, was created with the letter Hey, and the next world, Olam Haba, is created with the letter Yud. Right? So the connection between this world and the next world is the Yud K. This world was created with uh, the letter Hey, and Olam Haba is created with the letter Yud. And the Nesi'im, that did not bring their, their nedavot right away for the building of the Mishkan, which is Romez to the letter Hey, the Mishkan that resembled Olam Haba, sorry, letter Yud, which resembled Olam Haba, they, they sinned against the letter Yud, which was the Olam Haba, the Olam Elyon, the upper world. And they also did the chet to the, the olam hazet to this world, which was the ot hey, the letter hey. However, so he says they were really deserving to be punished with both letters, hey and yud. However, only yud was taken away from their name. It's very interesting how he answers why only yud was taken away. It says the Gemara says. There's a general rule in the court system, right? In a Jewish court system, which says, if a person did two averot, right? <clears throat> for, for one that he has to pay, and for the other avera he has to get lashes. Which one, or, or it's simultaneous, so to speak, which kind of has... Payment and lashes. Does the person get both punishments? The Gemara says, no, that's not how it works. You always give the more severe punishment and it cancels out the less severe punishment. Right? The person is supposed to get lashes and payment. He only gets the lashes. He skips the payment because he gets the more severe of the two. Right? Here as well. It says, because really, this was an affront to Olam Haba and Olam Hazet, to the Yud and the Hay. However, they only got punished with the yud being taken away because that's the more severe of the two. The olam hazeh is not, this world is not as important than, than the olam haba. So because this was an offense to the upper worlds as well, they only got the punishment of the upper worlds, which is represented by the letter yud. And therefore the letter yud was taken away. More. That was the second answer of the Zerashim Shon. And this is really interesting. They were all, I mean, they were all interesting. 
it just gets, just gets better and better. Says, and furthermore, you could also say, Shekol Israel heviyu mamonam dahainu hamamon shel olam hazeh. All the Bnei Israel, the rest of the Shavatim, when they, br- when they brought their nedavot for the building of the Mishkan, they brought from their own money. This was their money that they, that they, that they put together in this world. Olam Hazeh. Now, you, we're not saying that Bnei Israel was working at the time because we were all in the Midbar. There was no work. No one had a business. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't, do they have like little shacks in the Midbar selling different things? I don't think so. Esfahanim were not yet invented at the time. Everybody was Middle Eastern. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm an Esfahani. Everybody relax. <laughs> I'm going to get calls like, what the, why? <laughs> So, Bnei Israel weren't making money at the time. What this means is that the rest of the Shavatim brought from their own money, which was money that they brought out of Egypt, that they grabbed out from the Egyptians, whatever it was, but it was physical money. Right? You'll see what he means by it. And they brought this money to build with it the Mishkan, which resembles Olam Haba. So they brought earthly things of their own, money of their own, which was earthly, to build something completely spiritual, non-physical, which was the Mishkan. Amnam, however, the Nesi'im the, the, the heads of the tribes brought the precious stones. How did the Nasi'im get their hands on these stones? Why were they the only ones that had these stones? Why didn't anyone else have it? How do, why, why is it that the Nasi'im had the stones, the precious stones that were needed for the Mishkan when no one else had it? Because they got it They got it in a miraculous way. As it's brought in the Gemara, Yoma Ain He Amud Aleph, it says, This was like money from Olam Haba. Where were they getting it from? I'll read the Gemara inside for you as a plus. What? Right, right. The Gemara says, Vanesim Ashoham. The Nesi'im, the Gemara says from the Pasuk, Vanesi'im and the Nesi'im and the heads of the tribes brought the precious stones, the Avneha Shoham. Tana, it was taught. Nesi'im, when it says Nesi'im, it's really referring to Ananim Mamash, to clouds. It says that when the man would come down for Bene Israel, the Ananim, the clouds would bring by the homes of the Nesi'im with the man. Precious stones for the Nasi'im. The more righteous you were, the more gifts you received. So the Nasi'im being the heads of the tribes, the, the Ananim, the clouds, not only brought them food, but dropped the precious stones that would one day be needed for the building of the Mishkan by their doorsteps. This was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way of giving them honor for them to be the ones to bring the most precious things. Or else, where would Bnei Israel find all of these precious stones in the Midbar? These were not stones you could get your hands on anywhere. Right? It's, it's, they were all rare stones. How are they going to get these rare stones? So the answer is that the Nesi'im, the Gemara says when it says Nesi'im, Nesi'im actually refers to Ananim, clouds. From the Pasuk in Mishle, it says Nesi'im veruach vageshem. Nesi'im over there in Mishle is saying Nesi'im, wind and rain. 
Nasim is really referring to clouds. Shlomo Melech says, clouds, wind, and rain. So from there we know Nasim could also mean clouds. It doesn't only have this, the connotation of heads of tribes, it could also mean clouds. Therefore he's saying those clouds, the Gemara says the clouds brought the stones for the Nasim. So really the stones that the, that the Nasim received were not from earth. They were not earthly possessions like the rest of Bnei Israel. These were heavenly possessions. They were given these stones from heaven, literally, brought to them by the, by the clouds. <laughs> I just thought of a funny joke. Hmm? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Nothing. Ah. So he says, therefore, in order so that they do not say, in order so it shouldn't be said that the nedava, that the gifts of the nesi'im, are greater than the rest of the tribes because they were more spiritual or they came from a more spiritual place than the rest of the tribes who brought their own money. And it's not, their money is not good enough or it's not as good enough for the Mishkan because they brought earthly possessions. Because of this, the yud from their name was taken off. Lomar to show she'en lahem kol zechut al that the nesiim don't have such a great zechut for the fact that they brought davna shoham. They don't get more zechut than the rest of Bnei Israel because they brought these precious stones. because they didn't really bring anything from their own money. The rest of the Jews were literally giving over things that they had. They owned, they, they brought out of Egypt with them and they were carrying it until now. And as soon as Moshe Rabbeinu said, bring things for the building of the Mishkan, they were giving with all their heart for the building of the Mishkan from their own things. What did the Nasim bring? They brought things that were, was literally dropped by their doorsteps by Kadosh Baruch Hu. So in order for them not to feel like, ah, look, we brought the greatest things. Hashem was little, just a, giving them a little nudge. Right? You brought the greatest things that I literally dropped into your lap. What's greater to me is those that had to depart themselves, detach themselves from their own earthly possessions. Ben Israel brought copper. They brought thread, but it was at least theirs. It was things they were carrying with them out of Egypt. That was more meaningful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a sense. Therefore, that Yud was missing. Which is a remez which is symbolically symbolizes the Olam Haba, the other world which was created with the letter Yud, to tell them that you brought these stones from Olam Haba. So because you got these stones from the other world, I'll take the little Yud that resembles, resemble, resembles my word, world from your name.
Okay, and that will hold it here. I just wanted to add one more thing about something that was mentioned here that, that Rashi kind of brings out and the Zerah kind of opened up for us as to why the Yud. Why does Rashi say the Yud was missing from Rabbi Natan, bringing from Rabbi Natan that the Yud was missing for these reasons? We have to recognize, and this is something that the Zerah brought out, the importance of jumping to the occasion. As soon as a person has the opportunity to do a mitzvah, you have to jump for joy and literally grab it. The Nesi'im made the mistake of waiting till the end. This is what was looked upon by Chadosh Baruch Hu in a negative light. No matter how rich you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how much you could give support, as soon as you have the opportunity to do something for the other person, you should not waste a moment. You should do it now. Because as we say, Chachamim tell us, when a mitzvah comes into your hands, al tachmitsena. When you when we have a mitzvah opportunity, don't make it chametz. What is chametz? Chametz is any dough that you have to leave for it to become leavened. It becomes chametz. So the chachamim use that same wording here. When you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, make it like a matzah. Quick, do it now. Al tachmitzena. Don't wait for it to become chametz. And chametz resembles the yetzer hara. The yetzer hara is the inclination that always tells us. Relax. Halau. We'll do it tomorrow. You know, it's like, okay, you wanted to do a mitzvah? As soon as we have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, you got to do it right now, that second. Because you don't do it that second, the Yetzir Hara will get you. You won't probably be able to do it. And even if you do it, you won't do it as good. How many times have we gone to that lecture? How many times have we gone to that lecture and said, oh my God, I am so inspired right now. I'm on a, I'm on a you know, precious stone giving cloud. I'm flying. From now on, that's it. Hashkocha pratis all the way. All the time. Everything for me is going to be mina shamayim emuna. Right? And then you sleep on it. The next day you're like, eh. How many times? I'm talking about myself. No one's nodding. You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's been so many times that we get so inspired, like, oh my gosh, from now on, I'm, I'm, I'm joining the Daf Yomi, the Mishnah Yomi, I'm joining every Yomi there is. Right? I'm going to be a Yomi man. Right? I'm doing it. That's it. Everything's going to be Yomi. You got a Yomi? I'm joining a Yomi. Right? I'm watching every YouTube video of every Rav out there. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm joining... Torny time, I'll be one of, I'll, I'll, I'm joining and I'm, I'm going to be working for them from now. Forget it, right? Next day, eh, hey, maybe I'll do a daffa week, you know, maybe. What happens? What happens is that inspiration is a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is literally like a call, it's a batkol. It's calling to you and it's inspiring you to tell you, you can do this, I'm with you. Right? If you grab it at that moment, you got it. And it'll be, you, you, you took a step onto an escalator. The rest of the way, you have help from Hashem. If you don't step on that escalator, that moment, it's gone. You're going to take the steps. It's going to become harder and harder. 
And this happens to most of us, I got to say, right after Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we go to Beth Knesset and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like we're on a spiritual high. We want to do everything on the planet. We want to save the whales, the children. We want to save everything. We want to help everyone. We want to learn everything. We're going to be, become Mekubalim and everything, right? And then the day after Yom Kippur, maybe still a little bit, two, three days later, and then six months later, you know, Pesach comes and you freak out. You're like, oh my God, it's six months already and I got six more months left to Yom Kippur. I promised so many things to God on Yom Kippur. I'll ask him for forgiveness again this year and then I'll start next year. Right? But that's what happens. When you get inspired, you got to act on it right away. I found the greatest learning, I think the greatest zechut a person can get in learning or doing a mitzvah is Mutzai Yom Kippur. You're exhausted. Right? From all the tefillah and the, and, the, and the prayer services and everything. Right? And you go home and you decide, instead of just eating and going to sleep, I'm going to listen to a shiur. You know how much zakhut that one shiur has for the person? Not because you decided to listen to a shiur, but you decided that you have an ounce of inspiration within you and you don't want to lose it. You want to bank on it right now. And believe me, that shiur is going to lead to so much more. So much more. Because if, you, if we don't, it's what happens to the nasi'im. The nasi'im, did they not want to give the tzedakah to the mishkan? Absolutely not. They definitely wanted to. But it was a bad lesson for other people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying, you think I need your tzedakah? You think I need you to fill gaps for me? You think I can't give the stones to somebody else to bring? It's my stones. I'm only giving you the opportunity to give it back to the mishkan. Yet you're thinking, what, uh, I'll wait to see what I... I don't need your stones. Give me thread. But you know what? Give it to me now. Give me gold, give me silver, copper, whatever it is you want to give. But at least if you do it now, you will show everyone that the moment you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, you're jumping on it. Don't wait. That's the wrong lesson you want to teach the rest of B'nai Israel. The lesson you want to teach the rest of the Jews is, the moment HaKadosh Baruch Hu says you have an opportunity for a zikhut, you have an opportunity for a mitzvah, you do it now. That's doing it for the right reasons. That's why later on, when it came to the Chanukah Mizbeach, when it came to finally the inauguration of the whole Mizbeach, the altar, it says that the Nesim were the first people in. That's what Rabbi Natan says. Why did they decide to be the first? Because it was a lesson well learned. They said, this time we're going to be first. Halavai, we should all be like that, to learn our lessons that quickly. That's why I, I, I started this shiur with that intro that we're going to talk about the Nassim. These were not ordinary people. We're not going to sit here chas v'shalom and judge the Nassim of Am Yisrael. This is the kind of people they were. As soon as they realized what had happened, the next opportunity they had, the Torah makes a point to tell you the Nassim were the first ones to come. Imagine if the Torah could attest to such a thing about us. And I always say, whenever we read these stories 
in the Torah, we should always imagine in our lives, the things we do, the decisions we make, should always think, how about if someday this is written somewhere and someone else reads it about us? That's how we should live every second of our lives. Every decision we make, we should think, how about if someday this would be written somewhere for someone else to read about me? Imagine that. I've said this many, many times. It says that by the sale of Yosef at Sadiq, when the brothers put Yosef <clears throat> into a pit by the suggestion of Reuven, Reuven said that don't kill him, don't, don't do anything to him, let's put him in this pit. And then the Torah says, the Torah itself says, Reuven gave this suggestion so that as soon as the brothers calmed down, Reuven would pull Yosef out of the pit and bring him back to their father. This is basically the Torah reading Reuven's mind. Reuven didn't say this. The Torah comes out as a narrator and says, by the way, Reuven said, put him in a pit. Why? Not because he wanted to hurt Yosef, but he was trying to see when the brothers will turn their back. He'll come and pull Yosef out of the pit and take him to his brother. Chachamim say, Reuven said, had I known that one day the Torah would say such a thing about me, I would have put Yosef on my shoulders right then and there and I would have ran all the way home. Imagine that. Reuven said, if I had known that the Torah will write this about me, I would have ran with Yosef all the way home. That's how we should live every day of our lives. Every decision we make, we have to imagine, this is going to be written and someone will read it. And guess who's going to read it? You are. Every decision we make is going to be written. It's written down by Safriel. In Shamaim, and later on it'll be shown to us. We're the readers. We should only want to read good things written about us. Only positive things, so that we're not shamed by our own actions. And may we all be zokheh, to read unbelievable things about ourselves. Amen. Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen ve'amen.